Morning Faith Fellowship. Morning. Jennifer's in the house, and Emily's here, Stephen Ferrante is here, Kenny's here, Yanira and Marcus are here, Serena's here. Um, man, it's good to be in the house. If you have your Bible, of course, be turning to Acts chapter 6. And so, we uh, last week, we had a chance to examine murmuring. Uh, we kind of saw that just in terms of some neglect that was taking place. Um, I don't think not in a, in a wicked way, just something that hadn't been dealt with because things are moving at a kind of a rapid pace here with God is further in his kingdom, really giving Israel an opportunity uh, again to maybe, I mean, this might have been a quick trip for the Lord. He goes to heaven and Israel does right. Man, he might have been back, <laughs> you know, uh, super quick. But obviously we know that <clears throat> It doesn't it doesn't work out like that. But up to this point, we kind of think that there is that possibility. And so these individuals are living their life as such. And uh, and so between these Hellenistic uh, Hebrews and, and Hebraic Hebrews, what you see was there's a little discussion that kind of comes up, and says, hey, our uh, Hellenistic widows aren't being dealt with. And so let's let's get some some work on this, get some eyes on it. Well, they do. And they they pick seven godly men uh, as deacons now, this church in Jerusalem, in order to try to deal with the things that um, are, you know, maybe going un, undealt with. And so we got a chance to really hear from the Lord in terms of what his view of murmuring is and how it has an effect on the body and how we want to stay away from that, because it's not something that the Lord really likes at all. But this week we want to look at. At Stephen, uh, it's going to be hard for me to say Stephen because when I looked up his name, it said, uh, uh, "Was this Stephanos?" Stephanos, and I've just heard throughout my time in church like Stephen, and so I want to say that, but that's not what his name is. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, right, yeah, right. <laughs> Stephen Ronte says, "Go ahead with that." <laughs> now he's in the Bible, see, <laughs> and so. We kind of want to look at we want to look at this because as we were looking at the thing about unity as it relates to murmuring and how it can fracture those things. Now we want to take a more introspective and personal look. Okay, there is something really important here. And I think, again, just as we are navigating these murky waters of covid and in light of man, just the, the racial divide or unity. You know, it's kind of on both sides and that's not a, a, a that's a division there. Uh, I think that the church has to still be looking within in order to see some things take place. And so here it is. Stephen is a man we are introduced that is chosen to be a deacon, but then used to give a message that would be God's indictment on the heart of Israel's leadership. Why is this? Is that important? Because things change greatly after this message. This message, for those that don't know, remember we say that Acts is in two parts. You see that there is a mission-minded focus that is Israel and, and, and Hebrew-centric, and then eventually that opens up to the entire world. And it's still, Hebrews are a part of that, and being that Paul is a part of that, you'll see Peter's going to have a, a motion with that, Barnabas, these individuals. But you're going to see now there's an extension. This message that Stephen is going to teach us in chapter 7, which we won't be in today, but when we get there, is the message that really put that on, on display. Israel makes their final kind of like, no. So much so it ends up getting him killed. 
And man, the Lord, um, yeah, everything changes. We see eventually Paul will become converted and then now the gospel is going everywhere. And so this is an important individual. This is an important next two to three chapters. This whole, really all of Acts, I just find, I, I don't know if there's a more importance, but I guess you could kind of say like this is an indirect importance, great importance, just because had this not have been the Lord would have done it another way, but he didn't. He chose this way. And so it's something to examine. Right now, uh, we are unified in our desire for change in this country. I think there's a lot of people we see and just multicultural like, hey, yeah, let's let's do something about some of these changes. Maybe whether it as it relates to racial divides. And we've seen that, uh, you know, even workplace sexism and and uh, just discriminations there are. Those things are being dealt with at the corporate level. And and so there's a lot of things, but we're not really sure how to accomplish all of that. So we should look at the traits that Stefan possessed, because if he is the guy that is indirectly involved in this great shift and where the gospel is going, then there must be something special about this man in particular. And why that is important this morning is because... If you are maybe wrestling with being a part of a movement, the one thing that I want you to consider first and foremost is where are you at? This man had resolved these traits within himself. This is what the Bible says of him. And then in the next chapter, we will see him speak. But I'm telling you, there is something very important about this. Stephen's key traits are these. He was full of faith. In verse five, we'll see that. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Also in verse five, we'll see that it says it also in verse eight and then full of power. Verse eight. And so our text this morning is eight to 15. Let's read that and then we'll get into it. OK, it says, and Stephen, full of faith and of power, in verse eight, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Man, I love that. That's incredible. Then they suborned men, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. These men had been hired to lie about what it is that he had been saying just to do what verse 12 accomplishes. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up. You see, here's the, the Bible's viewpoint on the matter. False witnesses, which said this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and what all that Jerusalem is to the great people of Israel and the law, which is why, again, just this kind of whole thing that they're going to make a statement about what he's saying against Moses. We know how they highlight Moses uh, in the life of an Israelite and then also Jerusalem, two very important places. So they know how to stoke the fire in order to get things riled up. In verse 14, it says, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. Not altogether a lie. It is true. But the way that they're saying it as if somehow we don't need to listen to this individual. And in verse 15, it says, and all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And so you can just think about that when you read that last part. That is like 
directly something that Moses did. Remember when he had the same, he came down after having time with God. And so there's something about that. What I want to examine are those those three traits. And that's the thing that we're going to look at. When we look in chapter seven, we'll see Stephen's message to the religious rulers. Those rulers will not respond well, but God moves in such a way after that, that today we are still benefiting from the ripple effect of Stephen's message. You wouldn't have church today as you understand it without this message. Because this message becomes the break for where the Lord now opens the gospel up to everybody. It's huge. And so our thesis this morning is this. Kingdom building is the only way to see people change. Even though the thing that you see change um, is is, uh, that people have, you know, these rulers are going to, well... Boy, it gets so bad that these guys go and start biting on him. Kill this guy. Uh, and our dear Paul, horribly, is now, one of the usages of this, when you look this up on Strong's, it said, like, potentially, he could have even applauded at the death of Stephen. I mean, can you imagine that? Our dear Paul, the grandfather of the church, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that same Paul, Right? And this made such an impact on his life that he used it in his testimony in Acts 22. See, this guy has importance. And there's things in, in, that, are, that he has going on that we absolutely need to consider, especially in a time where we're, we're now maybe considering be a part of, of just different things. Maybe it is that we want to join a, you know, certain groups in order to help the promotion of this, that, and the other in our city, in our nation. Man, I'm, I'm not saying anything negatively against that. But what I am saying in terms of the thing that actually makes real change in the lives of individuals is kingdom building, guys. I'm just, I'm saying that with full confidence. You can't get around it. When you are focused on the kingdom, you hit the problem, not the symptoms. Everything that we are frustrated with as a society, whether it's the women in the class here or the different cultures that are represented in our church, um, or, you know, whatever it is that, that you, classism, that I may, you know, sometimes experience in my neighborhood where people, there's a perception there, because Mission Hills is close, right? And so there's just, there's always an ism to worry about. But the thing is, is that essentially what the gospel does is deal with the heart behind all of those that's why you don't see me with t-shirts and banners or any of that stuff. Not because I don't care about, I do. But I know that the issue and the way to fix it is, is the kingdom. So I got to be about that. And that's what this man was about himself. And so the question I have for you this morning is how do we play a part of what God is doing? See, the thing, if we want to uh, unseat the evil that we have to live around and exist in, Absolutely. The Lord has strategically called us out. We received the gift. And now he's like, I'm going to use you and wherever you are. So I don't have to be from the same background. That's how the Lord is very much is just moving us all around and giving us all of this influence and all these different things and how you come up in your job and where your standing is in your neighborhood. All of that matters. It matters very much. How do we play a part in that? See, In order to see change in the lives of people, we must be, first key point, we must be full of faith. 
In Acts 6, 5, it says this, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and the Prochorus, and Nicanor, and, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. See, there's something interesting about the fact that this guy gets a message. All those other guys are equally, <laughs> you know, full of faith and and have the Holy Ghost, right? They're excited about what God is doing. They're going to attend upon the business that they have. But the Lord gives this man something extra. So now look at the humility that's even exhibited by the fact that he is a deacon. He's not an apostle. But yet he has an opportunity to speak on behalf of the apostles. See, that's the one thing that you have to understand about humility is it still gives you a platform. In Hebrews 10, 22, it says this, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, faith is not just action, but it's heart as well. A heart of faith is drawn to God. But if I find myself feeling distant from God, like in this time period, see the, the media and, and, and social media in particular could get you to a point where now you're on an island by yourself and you feel like disconnected or even from your church members. There may be that you have fielded phone call, well, ignored phone calls or text messages just because of how you feel about the current state of things, white or black. It doesn't matter. Anytime that I'm going to have that kind of distance or any of those things that are like that from God or his people, then my faith then becomes partial. See, a, a full heart is a heart that is drawn to God and very much drawn to his people. Listen to this. In Isaiah 29, 13, it says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Have we let the situation and the current standing of our nation dictate how I should view God and how I should fear him and whether or not he's worthy of fear or not because somehow he's neglecting to deal with an issue that appeals to my interest when in reality he very much has been appealing to your interests because your interests have changed and they should have our key point number two is we must be full of the Holy Ghost if we're going to see that kind of change. In Acts 6, 5, you know what it says. We read it already, but think about these. Being full of the Holy Ghost automatically associates you with Christ. The first two times you see of the Holy Ghost, and you should do a, a study of that. It's pretty neat. Just of the Holy Ghost. The first two times are in Matthew and they are in relation to Mary carrying uh, Christ. And so, that it's saying that she's basically pregnant of the Holy Ghost, you know. And so, there are these others here that I have, and I think we have them listed there. Okay, so in mission, Matthew 28, 19, how we baptize, what, how we're teaching, right? All of these things should be of the Holy Ghost. In community, in Acts 9, 31, in Acts 11, 24, in hope, Romans 15, 13, in joy, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, in renewal, Titus 3, 5. See, this says, no matter how the world may try to make me feel, his truth defeats their lies just as much as we saw what happened with those individuals. They're trying to make these case against Stephen and it's just lies. The Bible says it. The Bible records it. 
So now that we know that Stefan is, man, he's on top of it. This guy is about it. There is something about the resolve that has to come from being full of the Holy Ghost that facing the things that he was going to face, he stood his ground. Because why? He knew who his allegiance lied to. He didn't change or transform his message in order to fit the rulers that he was talking to. He said directly what needed to be said because that's what God told him to say. See, that's the thing that we have to become resolved in. If I understand fully and believe that the Lord Jesus Christ saved me and I was a sinner separated and now he has set my feet ablaze and told me where to go and what to do with that, man, then I have to go and do that. But you see what the world is doing now. They're just changing the narrative, right? And somehow it's very interesting to me that the gospel now has found itself to be insufficient to comfort or to fix the world's issues. So now Christians are wrestling with whether or not the gospel is enough. I got to do something extra. So I'm going to still wear my T-shirt or have my bumper sticker that's going to promote whatever my issues are and the gospel. Let me tell you, you don't need anything other than the gospel. It has to be that the gospel is enough. This guy is resolved on this matter. He knew what he had been saved from. He knew who now he he was associated with. You can tell. I can't wait to show you in chapter seven what this guy's just sneak look. The the trailer for chapter seven when we study it. It's the last verse of chapter seven. Phenomenal. What he says sounds very familiar to us. Sounds like Jesus. See, that's the thing that I want to be said of me, right? Do you don't think I don't care about racial issues in this country? Uh, yes, very much. So much so, I love discipleship. I'm on the discipleship team. So much so that Troy Stocksdale, a white guy that discipled me, Man, is my brother forever, and I will always honor the investment that he made in my life. Honor him so much that I'm going to be a part of that and furthering that in this church. You see what I'm saying? And one by one, which is why our our slides are called the power of one. Don't render yourself powerless by being sidetracked. You have all the power. Stay on mission. Man, one by one, let's grab one, take them out, because we don't know. What if you grab another Billy Graham? Good Lord. Who is the person that led him to the Lord? I'm sure we know his name. I don't, because I didn't research that. But I'm, I'm sure we, I, historically, we probably know that person's name. What is that going to look like at the judgment seat of Christ? Maybe this guy just served donuts. Billy Graham tried to lead the entire world for the entirety of his life almost to Christ and had great success, great fruit at it. See, that's the that's the part that gets me excited about discipleship the most. Listen, I understand that just getting somebody saved doesn't is not going to fix their heart. But discipleship is where that comes into play. The sanctification process is why we got to help people do that. Man, so we share the gospel and we do discipleship, right? And as they learn to apply the word of God in their lives, hands off. You just let the Lord do whatever they're going to do. 
are we about really about planting churches? Perhaps there need to be more Bible teaching churches in these various communities. Would that solve some of the issue? We know there's a lot of churches, but, I, you know, for the sake of what God did on the cross, I will not speak ill of his church. OK, but um, not all of our family is following the word of God in the way of investing that in the lives of other people. And it has an effect on the community. So we could plant churches there, right? We could be a part of that transformation. It's just something to consider. Who are you associated with? Are your associations in this world more valuable than the ones that the Lord bled out for? You don't even belong to you. (laughs) How are you going to take back ownership? I can't do that. I can't undo what it is that he died for. Because I'm not the one that died to make it right. You see what I'm saying? That's like me trying to take a store or a shirt back to the store. And they're like, you didn't buy this. (laughs) Well, I want to return it. (laughs) Get out of here. That's what they're going to tell me. Right? So, come on. See, here's the thing that we absolutely want to do. In Ephesians 4.30 and 32, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed. Man, sealed. I weld. You guys all know that I'm a welder. One of the things about welding that is absolutely critical in where Serene and I's crafts intersect She's a pipe fitter. I'm a, I'm a uh, iron worker by trade. So our crafts don't intersect, but they both involve welding. And in Serene's world of welding, the one thing you are very concerned about when you're joining pipe together is that it doesn't have any leaks. People can die from that leak. There's product that's lost from that leak. All of those things, right? And so it absolutely has to be sealed together properly. That is the Holy Spirit. There are no leaks. As far as the Lord is concerned, he's already fitted and tested it and welded it. It's good. Man, be settled internally. What else does it say? It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then what? Well, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. And this is the one I always just love this statement because it just puts the whole thing in perspective. Even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. It's almost like (laughs) when you, you know, how people use that in vain. But it is true. (laughs) Even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. See, some of us sometimes think that whatever it is that we were, as the Lord forgave us, or it wasn't that bad as the individual now that I'm going to withhold forgiveness to be careful. I'm, that's not Christ's heart. I'm just telling you. This leads us to our last point here this morning. We must make use of God's full power. In verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. But listen to this perspective here that I just looked at in, in, you know, in Micah 3.8. But truly, I am full of power. How? By the Spirit of the Lord. That's how. And of judgment and of might. And what am I going to do with it? To declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. See, what this is, when you're making full use of that power, it's an understanding of the source of the power and then what to do with it. 
guys, we shouldn't be at, at Midtown. <laughs> there is no way you can say, I'm not sure what to do next in this place. We talk about it. We got banners. We have signs. We have pamphlets. It's on our website. So what you can do is, if we want to just take it systematically, okay, there's new members class. The next month will be COD. Then after COD, you can be in discipleship and get paired up. We're praying that God will be moving in your heart in such a way that now you are saying, I want to have disciples. I want to live my life to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to get in D2. There's two semesters that you need to finish. If you haven't, I'm looking in the camera to make sure you do that. You have to pass it or you will do it again. I love you. <laughs> okay. Get in D2. All right. Finish your semesters and then get to work. And that getting to work could mean that you are an apprentice. Right now, Kenny is doing that. And you know what? As soon as the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to unleash this brother. Because I want him to have the same fruit that I have. And I want him to become the man that God wants him to be. And I'm not going to stand in the way of that. So I got to give him opportunity. Guys, we are given opportunity in this place. I want him. He is an iron worker just like I was. And he and I both can tell you there are guys that maybe that we work with would not let me into their home to eat with their families. But guess what? Because he looks different than me and has the same gospel as me, can he be an advocate for me by not solely focusing on me, but focusing on the mission? That's why I want to turn him loose. You see what I'm saying? It's an understanding of the source of the power that is in you and then what to do with it. Stop sitting on it. It's not doing anything for anybody. Just for you to know everything. Oh yeah, I'm not done. And then LFBI. <laughs> we don't take that serious enough. You have... Listen, <clears throat> with respect to believers in Jesus Christ that have bled out and died to make seminaries, they're a joke. Most of them are a joke. LFBI is where you're going to learn truth. And we're not going to hand you a church. We're not going to hand you a ministry. We're not going to hand you a mission field. You're going to have to prove it. But you'll be trained up. You'll be ready. You'll be equipped. All I'm saying is, as you're looking at Stephen, before this guy does this incredible message in chapter seven is he was resolved. He knew where he stood and he's like, I'm ready. Put me in, coach. I'm ready. That's all I'm saying. And as a result of his obedience to do that, <laughs> everything changes. Church history changes. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. See, you didn't know you were already against racism, classism, and sexism, and anything else that God detests by being mission-minded. You already got the t-shirt. You're already in. You already got a banner. You're already in protest when you're mission-minded. But when you're not mission-minded, man, you, you just... 
you're you're just saying all these things that I see and that make me sick and that I may suffer from, I'm gonna just let them happen. Because I'm not gonna be about the gospel or discipleship or planting churches. See, earlier we said kingdom building is the only way to see people change. And that's true. But the first person that may need to change is you. That's why I'm telling you about where this guy is. If the Bible says that, man, he's full of the Holy Ghost, full of power, full of faith, all of those things, then it must be examined that as the Lord said, man, I'm, yeah, I'm going to use you. He didn't let that kind of resolve sit and do nothing. He put it to work. And the man lost his life. And it was worth it. Man, I thank God for his example. And I'm looking for some of us to lose our own lives. We're losing our minds. It will, however benefit that is. <laughs> it's not. But how about this? Why don't we lose our lives? Lose the things that, are, man, can be so upsetting from you. Their agendas and all those things are symptoms. It's like I was telling Serene in the car. Here it is. Everything that can that is banner-able, t-shirt-able, bumper-sticker-able is just a symptom to the problem. And just like the flu, it comes back every year. The only thing that's going to fix the actual problem is the gospel, is discipleship, is our planning churches. Can you go help Mike in Boston? I've been there. It was a little awkward. I'm just telling you. The first night, the hotel we stayed at, Serena and I, with our bags. Okay, we got our bags. The place is a, it's a restaurant and a hotel. We are standing at, so let's say this is the counter. I got the bags. I'm tired, right? Nobody said anything to me. And then the one lady came over, because this is Boston. And that place has some deep-seated racial issues. And we're in a community, I don't know, Serene Research as well, because Zillow don't, or whatever, Yelp, or, it don't tell you all that. It just, oh, this, this place is quaint. Okay, well, <laughs> you may never see down Serene again, quaint. <laughs> and so, finally, the lady came over, she said, do you need something? <laughs> what are these bags for? That's in my head. But in the spirit, I just tried. Um, yes, we're staying in a room, da 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 da. So then the owner finally kind of sees what's going on. He takes care of us. Sweet guy. Kisses me on the cheek the next day on our way out. Gives me some blueberries. Tells us this great place to go. I could have been all up in arms, or I could have chose like what I did was I'm gonna let Christ fight for me because I deserve to be here and I pay for this place, so I am staying here tonight. <laughs> But listen, there's nobody that's ever stopped me from doing anything in this country because God is behind me. The job I have, where I live, you guys have been to my house. You see any black people running around in there? No. Nobody stopped me from moving over there. That's what I'm saying. Who's going to stop me when Christ is fighting for me? So, man, I need to fight doing the thing that he's told me to do. So I just pray, man, that that ministers to you and and we'll pray and um, just consider my words. I know I know people are hurting and and 
you know, you're all, you know, whatever, just got all these feelings with that man. Let the Lord deal with those things. He's equipped you with the means to fix all of that. Okay, and then let's man, let's get back together. Let's get back in here together so I can see your faces. I'm not going to hug you. I'm not going to bully you like that. I'll elbow you. Fist bump you. But I want to see you get back in here when you can. And uh, man, and, and let's let's stay on task. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, again just for the example of Stephen and, and Lord, just we haven't even gotten into his message uh, yet. And yet this man is already just showing me so many things. Um, and so, Father, I pray that it would minister to those that are hurting white or black. You know, uh, this is not a black issue when the country is on unrest. Lord, we all suffer. And so, Lord, um, we need to be about your business. Lord, give us the opportunity to see the value in one at a time ministry. Um, and Lord, that we would invest our lives, that we would have the resolve within us so that we're not, you know, discipling partially, but that we would do it in fullness and the fullness of the power that it is that you've given us in order to wield. And Lord, I pray that it would have an effect. And Father, I'm not telling you at what point that that effect needs to take place even if it's down the road even if man Stephen he didn't even see what it was that changed as a result of his message but Lord he did get to see God in his glorified form and uh, uh, he's got that up on me <laughs> and so Lord thank you for his example thank you for just your word Lord I pray that it would comfort I pray that we would take it in we would receive it and then, Lord, that we would do what it is you called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I love you. You're dismissed. Talk amongst yourselves. Open up your speakers uh, until Brother Kenny and family get in here. Bye, Courtney. Hey, don't forget to pray for our husband, Maurice. And then uh, Matt Blackstock has a friend, Jason, also on the police force. Hey, Maurice. Oh, man. Hey, brother. Oh, man. That does. Oh. <laughs> It's good to see you, man. How you doing? <laughs> hey, brother. Hey, can, can I have just like two seconds? Can I just pray for you real quick? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. Um, be quiet for a second. Let me just pray for Brother Maurice. Hey, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much just for the opportunity to see this brother that is serving our community. And Lord, just trying to wrestle with his own thoughts and emotions about the thing and, and be a good husband, be a good dad. And Lord, we just thank you for Brother Maurice and, and uh, Lord, his heart. And Lord, would you protect him and his brothers out there, uh, all of them, Lord, protect them all, uh, that they all may have the opportunity for the gospel. Lord, give him the compassion to be able to be in the community and to be that shining face, to connect this community back together. Lord, that we won't be uh, fractured. And uh, Lord, let him let him be old and gray as a as a police officer serving this community. Lord, we thank you for the testimony of his life and uh, what he's deciding to do as his vocation and uh, bless him, uh, Lord, in every way possible. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.